It's time again for the Scotty Johnny Podcast with your host, Scotty Johnny himself, John Barnett, and the ego himself, Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam, talking Wisconsin sports, NFL through D3, college hockey, doesn't matter. Two mics, two crusty vests, two opinions, one based in reality, and one based in what do you bet on Twitter, with music by Delete Great Cars and Trucks. Here's John and Aaron. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Scotty Johnny Podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett, and uh, I'm not joined by anyone this week. Um, Aaron is up at Deer Camp right now, so he's not uh, regretfully not joining us. He's uh, he's up there and hopefully having a very good time, so hopefully he gets his deer, and uh, we're feeling very good about that, but still, we continue on. We we tally forth. We, we do what we must do to get the information out here this week, so thank you for joining us again this wonderful week. Uh, I'm still going to call it a wonderful week, even with the, the Packer game. But um, plenty of other things going on here in the state of Wisconsin in terms of our sports. Uh, remember, of course, you can follow this podcast at Scotty Johnny Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Not So Humble Host, and you can also follow Aaron at Cheddar Talk. I'm not going to say it as long as he does, but it's it's worth remembering at Not So Humble Host at Cheddar Talk. Uh, there's plenty of other ways to make sure you're listening to us. Remember to, you know, subscribe, download, listen, rate, and review this podcast. And we appreciate all of you for doing it, all of our fans uh, across Wisconsin, across the United States, and, and around the world. All right. Without too much else going in, without the ability to banter back and forth with Aaron for a little bit here, we're going to get right into everything. And by we, I mean me and you, me and you as a listener. All right, we're going to start everything off here with a segment we like to call Our Main Event. Starting things off with The Main Event. Okay, Main Event is Packers, as it always is. And look, uh, it's a hard one to take, I think, in terms of the fact that this loss doesn't feel like it should have happened the way it did. Rodgers had a very good second half. Uh, the offense had a very good second half. The biggest things that happened in this game this week are the Packers did not play two halves of football. The defense just did not adjust and did not get enough done. The times when they made the big plays that they should have made, they just, they, they were penalties. It was a sloppy game. I don't want to hear, I mean, there are, there are, there are those out there uh, on Twitter and I've been trying to, to calm them as much as I can. And they, you know, they don't listen to me, I suppose, but I'm not going to use their names. There's a certain ilk of person out there who is blaming the refs for this, and the refs weren't great, but they didn't cost the Packers this game. They just didn't. Uh, I know a lot of people are upset about the helmet-to-helmet hit that took away the interception that Savage actually did get. Well, a helmet hits a helmet, and one helmet was a quarterback's. They call that every time. They call it every time. I know it doesn't feel like a good call. It doesn't feel like... That was the intention of the rule or whatever you want to say. But, I mean, th- that's been called in every game. That's the way the refs do call this. It's a consistent way of calling it. Th- they didn't change anything on us here. All right? That was the way it gets called. The Packers get that call. The Vikings get that call. Everybody gets that call. So, yeah, you got to stay lower. You can't You can't come anywhere near their head. And that was a just, just a dumb mistake. So you live and learn, hopefully. The big things are just just too many stupid mistakes everywhere around the field. The uh, the the holdings. I mean, Elton Jenkins getting a holding. The number of people getting just just penalties on the offensive line. The false starts and things like that. And if you want to be that upset about the head the head bob thing, you know, whatever, that, then they're fine. I can't save you from that. The the Packers made too many mistakes. You can't have that many penalties in a game. And um, you can't just skip out on the first half in the way the Packers did this week. Packers cost themselves this game. And the Vikings took advantage of all the opportunities they were given. I mean, Kirk Cousins didn't make like one or two plays. He had 341 yards of passing because it worked. He had a 128.4 rating. So, yeah, the the Vikings took advantage of what was there, which is a a lot of passes for 20 yards. Uh, Packers were playing fairly soft. But, I mean, it, I saw this on Twitter, too, and I think this is fair because I was upset with Barry and how this was going on out there, too, because there wasn't a 
it didn't seem like there was a concerted plan to first off put any pressure on the quarterback. Um, they were just using four and the same four, and knowing that you have uh, somebody missing, they, they didn't get a lot of pressure. The one time they brought a big blitz was the one time Kirk Cousins threw that that pass to the corner there, and it ended up uh, giving the Vikings that lead right before the the big seventy five yard pass to uh, MVS. But still, uh, there was a guy there, and uh, young cornerbacks don't didn't make the play. They just they didn't make the plays in that one. Both Stokes and King just didn't have the games you were hoping they had, the games they've been having the last three weeks leading up to this, last four weeks. Uh, Kings look fairly good, did not look good in this game. Stokes did not look good in this game. He bid on a lot of double actions in this game. So you got you to gotta take it for what it is. Vikings played the better game, and that's all it is. Um, Packers did very well in the run stopping. I think the big plan was let Kirk beat him, and unfortunately he did. He tried to throw the ball to the Packers, um, there was an interception called back on a penalty, a dropped interception, another dropped interception, one that was called an interception and then reviewed and taken away. And I think all of those were savage. Uh, so yeah, it was just, just too many times where the Vikings tried to give the Packers the ball and we just wouldn't take it. So got to complete some of those takeaways and basically the game's over. If, if the savage interception happens, the Packers win that game. If he can just tuck the ball away instead of holding it out in front of him as he's going to the ground, just tuck it right to his chest and hold on tightly, Packers win that game. That's it. That's how close it was. Um, There's a missed field goal. Everybody likes getting on a kicker. You lost by three and missed a field goal, and you say, well, that's the game. No. No, that wasn't the game. That's only the case because, you know, they missed an extra point. And then on a two-point conversion late in the game, we didn't figure they were going to hand it off to Dalvin Cook. And he just kind of walks around the edge. Uh, so, yeah, biggest things, penalties. Packers got to get that sorted out. I, I really believe Lafleur is going to get that sorted out. Uh, the offense started clicking towards the end. Hopefully they can keep that rolling, though the one problem is, is again, it sounds like Aaron's going to miss another week of practice. Aaron Rodgers sounds like with the toe, which he says is not turf toe, but worse than turf toe. And I don't know what that means. Or if he's honest about it, but whatever it is, it means he's not really practicing. Yeah, uh, those are things that you need to have here. Uh, clean those up. We had a couple nice things here. Equinemia St. Brown had a couple nice plays, and if he can be a valuable part of this offense going forward, that's going to be an important thing. Um, he had two catches for 43 yards and a run on the end of round for 11. Uh, he looked fast. He looked like he's feeling more like himself again and getting all the way back from the, the ACL tear that took away one season and slowed him up last year. If he can be valuable in this, that could be very good. MVS, big game. Uh, two receivers go over 100 yards. MVS, four catches uh, and 10 targets for 123 yards. Rodgers had no touch on the deep ball this game. The one passed it to MVS at the end of the game. I mean, that one... That was beautiful. It was right on. That that looked like regular Aaron Rodgers stepping into a throw and throwing it like he normally does. But that wasn't how he looked most of the game because MVS was wide open pretty much the whole game. And that makes me feel better for the next time they play the Vikings because they'll be playing them at home. And what we've learned is the Vikings really can't cover the Packers receivers. But Rodgers kept missing people or not seeing them. There were several times you could just watch three people wide open and Aaron holds on to the ball, and we're not sure what he's waiting for. He cleaned it up in the second half, started hitting the underneath plays, started uh, trusting the system was working, and then moving through his progressions and doing it. Um, he, he got anxious early. I think he wanted to make big plays early. He wanted to take control of this game early and show everybody, but it just didn't work that way. So we got out of our system. We got out of our element early, and it cost the, the Packers throughout that game. Uh, what the Packers need to do is, you know, Aaron needs to play within the system. Um, you're going to find ways to patch up this offensive line as much as they can. Uh, Elton Jenkins' injury is going to be massive. And, you know, we keep hoping for Bakhtiari to come back, but he has not yet practiced. Uh, not actual practice of any sort. He's been activated, but not practiced yet. So that's problematic. Uh, at this point, you know, when we're still without a center, we're missing three of our five linemen that we would normally have out there at this point. Um, yeah, it's going to be a rough bit here. And next week, 
Got the Rams coming in with a very good, very good pass rush, uh, boosted by Von Miller. Yash Nijman's going to have to get some big plays for us. We're going to have to have Newman and Runyon just filling in those guard spots and keeping things going that way. And then, you know, Billy Turner's the only old hand out there, the only guy who's been been uh, proven in his uh, his field at this point. So it's going to be an interesting time going forward. That being said, I don't think you can take much from this in terms of cornerback play. I know, like, there's one going around on Twitter now about Paul Allen, who, of course, is the source for uh, Aaron Rodgers' deal to Denver as a done deal. Uh, that was the source is Paul Allen, the play-by-play voice of the Vikings, who is basically just a fan with a microphone. Um, he just, which is is fun, and it's fun to listen to when you're there. But I mean, like you can't trust anything he's breaking down or any news that are his quote-unquote sources. He's he's given a ton of fake information in terms of news-breaking stuff, like Aaron Rodgers' trade is done, and he hates it there. When Why would anybody have listened to Paul Allen, which, of course, Adam Schefter did? So after the game, he says something along the lines of, you know, a Packers coach told him, don't give your guys any credit, and he went on a little tear trying to say, I'm going to take the high road, and by taking the high road, did the most Minnesota thing ever and saying, I'm going to take the high road and not point out how much their team is terrible. And, you know, Stokes will never, ever be able to cover Jefferson. And it, just a ridiculous amount of uh, passive aggressiveness to have the microphone and say something almost certainly was not said to him. It's, you can't trust him as a source on anything. So whatever on that part. But I do think that Stokes will get better. And I do think that the Packers' coverage next time they play the Vikings will be better. Not playing on turf will be better. They won't play them until January 2nd. All right, so they're going to like end the year by then. It's also entirely possible the Vikings' season's over by then because they are an up-and-down team. They're 5-5 five and five now. They got up for this game. It's a division game. Division games are different. Uh, and this, this is one the Packers really could have won and just came out and played a terrible game. If the Packers can put something better together at home, I mean, you know that that's something down the road that we'll we'll have to look at. But it's it's one of those ones where you kind of expect games like this to happen. the The road game against the Vikings is just one that seems to come up against the Packers every now and then. So I don't put a lot of stock into this long term, meaning anything about either the Packers or the Vikings. Division games are weird; they're just weird. You know each other so well. You've been playing against each other so long, you get to know a lot of other things. So, I mean, it is what it is. It's a it's a loss. It's it's a division loss, which is bad, but uh, I still think the Packers are going to win this division pretty easily. Uh, by the time they play again, they'll probably have already clinched, is, is my guess. You know, knock on wood. But um, problems I see, like, Dylan didn't look particularly great. He did get 4.8 a carry. He only got 11 carries in this game, and some of it's just the gameplay and just the momentum of this game, I think, got into that. Uh, got behind, you know, 13-3 pretty early, and, you know, 16-6, six, whatever. I mean, just like it, it got out of hand very fast. Um, so it was, what, 16-10 to 10 at the end of the half, and that was because the Packers got that late touchdown. It's... Um, it's something where you would have liked to continue running at this Vikings defense because that's the weakest part of their defense. And th- they couldn't keep doing that because of what they had. Uh, it does hurt not having Aaron Jones to be able to do things like that. Uh, hopefully there's just one more week of that and then a bye week and we can get everybody a little healthier and come back. Um, but yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen more Dylan. The I would have liked to see the, the short passes connect a little bit more and Aaron Rodgers stop insisting on the deep ball quite so often early. Um, Those are kind of wasted downs, it felt like. He would line up and pick the deepest route on on what was going on there. If there's any pressure in his face, he's going to try to throw the ball to the deepest route, uh, and they haven't been particularly successful. His deep ball has not been the best part of his game. Staying in the system is the best part of his game. Taking the yards that are there and then letting your playmakers make plays, trust your receivers, and... He, he doesn't now. It feels like late-stage error or um, Brett Favre at times. The second half, though, ball came out of his hands a lot faster, and he got a lot more yards. And like Most of his game was the second half. He ends with four touchdowns, 385 yards, 
A lot of that is second half stuff. Um, so you'd like to see him feel more comfortable in that and maybe trust that that's the right thing to do after having seen what happened the first half and how you know sticking with it kind of came back to him later in the end. The Packers defense did do very well against the run. Uh, they held Delvin Cook to 22 carries for 86 yards. It's 3.9 a carry. He had the the one one-yard touchdown. Uh, long of 13. I mean, he's a home run hitter. That's, that's his biggest thing is you, you just can't give out the big threat. And they kept him from doing anything more than that. Uh, he had one 13-yard run, nothing giant. Biggest problem is, yeah, the a number of big plays to the receivers. I mean, Tyler Conklin had a 15-yard pass. Dalvin Cook had a 19-yard pass. Um, K.J. Osborne had a 19-yard pass. Uh, Justin Jefferson, he had eight catches for Justin Jefferson, and he had a 56-yard catch. Uh, he had a couple others. I mean, just the number of big plays he had uh, was was not something that, that the Packers can allow to happen again. Thielen was... Eight catches for 82, you know, quietly successful. And a couple of those just it just did not tackle well. Suddenly the Packers defense did not tackle, uh, did not stay tight on their coverage, didn't pick off a ball, didn't do a lot of things. Uh, I don't think those are – I don't think any of those are endemic of any specific issues other than that it kind of all lined up badly against them. They just, they just did not have a game that, uh, that worked for them this week. And that happens. It just happens sometimes. So that's that's just where I would put that for this time being. And it's time to put that all away and look forward to the Rams game coming up this right after Thanksgiving. And so, of course, we all hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. And when we come back, there will be a Packer game. And I'll be at that Packer game with some of my family. So that'll be, you know, that'll be a lot of fun for me. And I'm hoping to get some good uh, good photos and some a good time. But I'm mostly hoping for a victory. But uh, I think the Packers really do have a chance to come back in this. Um, Lafleur is very good after a loss. I mean, he's only had it nine times now in three years. But coming off of a loss, he's been particularly good. So uh, I, I look for the Packers to learn from that, to put a lot together, and to say, first off, they've got a home game against a team they know they can't overlook, a team that they've got to really batten down for it's not a division rival but it's it's going to be somebody who's going to be pushing them for that that one seed uh, among the several teams who are all fighting for that number one seed getting this win is going to be almost necessary feels like at this point um, i mean they are eight and three and you don't you hate to feel like getting to 10 wins may not be good enough but if you're trying to push for doing something in the postseason i think the packers really need to make sure that they're getting this one uh, I think the Rams are susceptible to to the passing game. Uh, they do have a great pass rush, but if you can avoid it like they did last year when they played the Rams, because the Rams defense isn't a lot different than the Rams defense that they just put a ton of points on. The The big difference is uh, they've got a better quarterback than they had last year. Now, he's not, not, not the greatest quarterback. He's a very, very good quarterback. I still contend that he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback of his his generation but i think that if you're not the top five quarter one of those top five quarterbacks for you know four or five year stretch then what are you even talking about he's never been that he's never been that he's never had a single vote for mvp not one and if you're a quarterback who's never gotten a vote for mvp i mean no then just no i mean unless you're just letting everybody in like philip rivers is not a hall of famer um matthew stafford's not a hall of famer but he can definitely beat you this week. Uh, he's he's good enough. He's got a good enough arm, and he's got enough weapons around him. They went out and got him uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and then lost Robert uh, Robert Woods for the year. So that's that that's an unfortunate uh, give. They felt like they were getting a big plus, and then something gets taken away from them right away. So we'll we'll see how the dynamic kind of works uh, going forward. They. They're kind of in the same boat as the Packers in some ways that they've had some things not quite go right. They haven't dealt with the same kind of injuries the Packers have, but the the offense isn't unstoppable. Uh, the Packers do have to play better than they did against the Vikings. The Vikings were are very much a team that has a good running game and big playability. The Rams are very much like that. They have that kind of big playability. They have a lot of guys. They're going to scheme you open. They they do have good head coaching and a good, strong offensive plan and a good offensive system. 
not just um, some plays and some players and get the ball to this guy. They, they really know who they are and they understand what they're trying to do when they're on the field. So that's, that's something that's going to be good for them. And hopefully the Packers have a counter for that. Uh, this is a team that obviously Joe Barry should know fairly well and he should know the players and he should know the, the system pretty well. So hopefully he has a plan for it to do here. But again, that goes the other way that the Rams kind of know what he does and what he's like. So really hoping to get something here. I think the Packers, I think they do pull this out just because I think that coming off the loss, uh, there's going to be that extra little kick for this team. And I think that they're going to be more willing to be coached after that loss. And they're going to come into this really uh, just on a heightened sense here, because I think they all know how much they're going to be scrutinized uh, after the loss. And I think the cornerbacks are especially angry at how that all went last week. And I think they're looking to get back to the way they were playing prior to this game. I think it's going to be still a fair amount of scoring. It's going to be a lot like this Vikings game, but I think the home field's going to swing it. It's going to be something pretty much like the opposite of this Vikings score, like a 34-31 kind of game. Uh, but I think the Packers win. I think they, they're going to win a close one, though. All right. Well, we'll kind of leave that there. We're going to come back. We're going to come over here and then start talking about Badger football. All right. We're going to stay with football, but we're going to move on to the, the Cardinal and White here against the Scarlet and Cream. I, I think they say scarlet and cream and not the cream and scarlet, but I'm pretty sure they lead with the scarlet uh, of Nebraska. Either way, the uh, now three and eight Nebraska Cornhuskers. I've been saying this for a while. It's the hardest team in college football to understand. Just, I, I, I don't get them. I don't know what's going on with them. This team can play with anybody, just anybody, but they just don't for some reason. It's strange. Like they hung with Michigan State, they hung with Michigan. Uh, they did all these things, and then then they come out here and they play Wisconsin, and they hang with Wisconsin, and then they lose to Illinois and stuff like that. So it's it's a really strange dynamic with that team that they always just seem to find a way to lose. Um, I'll say this though, I've generally enjoyed Nebraska fans. Um, they're good people to sit next to at football games. Um, when you go to Lincoln and stuff like that, they're all very kind. They're they. They're not mean to visiting fans. They're just football people. But I'll also say this, just, um, man, they turned into Lions fans once that game ended. Uh, they're, they're calling for a pass interference. To be clear on that last throw, it's fourth and 20. Nebraska is down to a gasp. There's pressure in the quarterback's face, and he lofts the ball, almost sight unseen, just praying there's a guy back there. The cornerback is running towards the ball, jumps up to hit it, the ball is so badly thrown, it hits him in the helmet, right? In the back of the helmet. And the wide receiver is jumping, trying to stop and jump backwards into the corner, creating the contact. It's a good no call. People want refs to insert themselves in the game so long as it helps them. And they want them to stay out if it's going to hurt. I, I mean, I don't know how I'd feel if it were mine, but I mean, like that ball is terribly thrown. It's, it's so far behind the receiver the only way he gets to it is to run backwards through the cornerback to the ball because the ball it hits the cornerback in the back of the helmet. Um, I, I just, when you're three and eight, you don't get to, to do this. Like when you're the lions or you're a three and eight Nebraska, just stop, stop. The refs didn't make you three and eight. You keep losing because you failed to do the other things. Now this offense for Nebraska did a lot. Um, they, they found ways to keep Wisconsin off balance. They had a lot of very good motion. I thought they did a good job using motion, uh, setting up triple option looks, using that to set up passing game, uh, finding ways to get guys on some crossing routes. I mean, Martinez gets 351 yards passing. One touchdown, two picks. Uh, could have been more picks, but uh, only ends up with the two. Um, but yeah, geez, uh, the running game for them was not particularly useful, but they did throw for a ton. Uh, Austin Allen guy just... I mean, he is gigantic. It was a 6'9", they said, 143 yards receiving on seven catches. Uh, and he's one of the subjects here is if you're looking at it from Nebraska, obviously you're looking at that last pass interference, but they get a lucky pass interference on a ball in which it was 10 yards away from him. I mean, just he could never have gotten to the ball. Austin Allen being 6'9", is not going to help you get to the ball that was thrown just way out of bounds and uncatchable. And a pass interference kept their drive alive. And help them move down the field to get in a position where they could have their fourth and twenty, 
but no. Uh, biggest things too for for the Badgers is the um, Braylon Allen show continues. Uh, he crosses a thousand yards on the season. I don't know if anybody knows this, but he's seventeen. Uh, leading receiver in this game. Also, a weird thing is Barry uh, Alvarez's grandson. You may have heard of him, Jake Ferguson. Anyhow, we'll get those out of the way just because everybody needs to say that. It's a requirement, and that's it's out of the way now. But Braylon Allen, 22 carries, 228 yards, uh, three touchdowns. Uh, he had a 71-yard rush and a, a 53-yard rush. Uh, so, yeah, just he played incredibly uh, he finds those extra yards, and he's he's going to break one or two a game. He's got that big-time ability. He's just going to be a lot of fun to watch for a couple of years here. Um, Kendrick Pryor absolutely dropped the chance to have 100 yards. He had two catches on, I think, three or four targets for 45 yards. But he dropped like a 50-yard pass that would have put the Badgers inside the five, and after that, they ended up punting. But Graham Mertz is 12 of 18 for 145 yards. I mean, if he'd have been 13 of 18 for 200 yards, come on. I mean, he's been playing very well. Uh, he's not trying to do too much at this point. He'll hit one or two nice big throws. He's been on time with the ball. He's going back and releasing on schedule. He's not, um, he doesn't look scared out there anymore. He's really settled into his position a lot more. I know that a lot of people, even a lot of people that I like and listen to, we're very much thinking that he was just a complete waste and a complete bust, and they're very quiet now. They're not singing any praises because they still hate him because he hasn't been a 300-yard passer you know, and stuff like that. They want him to be something enormous. He's been a very good quarterback. Not great, but he's been good. And with just everything he's had to go through with, you know, he had COVID last year and then it was slowly coming back from that and he's missed so many spring balls and this and that. That dude's had a rough go. And he is finding his way back to feeling like himself right now. And if that's true, then this makes this offense even more potent because if they can't line up every play and just put 10 in the box or whatever, you know, to stop Braylon Allen, then you have the ability to hit him over the back. You have the, the ability to do that play-action pass. And if you've noticed this too, the pre-snap motions are back. All right, for everybody who said that Graham Mertz had no ability to learn the system, all that pre-snap motion, everyone said, look what's missing. All of it's back right now. He, they've been running that the, the plays where three guys move right before the, the, they get ready to snap. They all come set again. But the three guys in motion, the jet sweep action... All those things are back. This looks very much more like the the offense that everybody else has been running. I think they just had to get back to basics for a little bit, start working him back into this confidence. And I think Chris has done a very good job of getting the confidence back in this offense, getting the confidence back in their quarterback, and finding ways to make him a valuable contributor. And that helps the running game. It really does. It makes things you know just run more smoothly, and it makes a lot of things more open. It just kind of, it, it just opens up the playbook and makes the defense have to play you all the way around. So now we get to what's coming next. Badgers just have to win. And they're the big 10 West champion. That was Badger fans. I think frequently now we've kind of felt that the big 10 West was our birthright. Uh, it, I mean, it hasn't existed for a very long time, but since it's been a, a, around the Badgers have kind of owned the West. And so Getting this chance here after what was a rough one and three start, where we had you know just a it was a very rough start. You know, getting Penn State, uh, Michigan, and then having uh, Notre Dame at Soldier Field. Yeah, rough start. And then you come back, you beat Purdue, Iowa, crush Rutgers, crush uh, Northwestern, beat up uh, a, a Nebraska team that hangs with a lot of people. I mean, that's the best three and eight team you'll see all year. But now you get the Gophers who, you know, are punching at their weight, basically. They just kind of are who they are. They're a 7-4 team who has not played nearly the schedule uh, Wisconsin's played. Um, they lost to Illinois. They lost to Iowa. Then they beat Indiana. That's their last three games. Uh, Badgers are, are favored by seven on the road. All right. The Badgers have still this, just the defense to be able to stick with this. 
Minnesota is down to their what, third or fourth running back, and that's really kind of the strength of that team was was the ability to run. They've got a lot of seniors on that uh, offensive line. Their wide receiver group is an okay group. Uh, and if you're going to be honest, Tanner Morgan is the same guy he was as a freshman. He has not gotten particularly better. He is not a stronger player at this point. He's the same guy. I don't see anything particularly about Minnesota's defense that's going to be able to kind of slow down this run game. Uh, Illinois found ways to run all over them. Um, Iowa definitely put up, I mean, they put up 27 points on this team, and Iowa's defense, or Iowa's offense couldn't do anything against Wisconsin when they played. So, yeah, I just, I look for the Badgers to have have a win here and then get a chance to go lose to whoever comes out of the East because as much as I think the Badgers really are the best team in the West and are, you know, hurt by having played a very strong schedule this year, one of the strongest in the country. But at the same time, um, that East looks very good. If it's going to be the winner of what Michigan, uh, Ohio State, I I don't see a, a particular road there where Wisconsin wins that game, and that's fine. Getting in there is is nice um, until we can kind of get to that position where we can beat those teams. Though we're we're going to be sitting in that fifteen to twenty five range. Um, we want to be something special in the top 10 team. You got to beat Ohio State. You got to beat Michigan. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Just maybe we look better now than what we did then. Uh, having Braylon Allen really step up is is one thing. The defense keeps getting better week by week, I think. Um, it, that Nebraska offense was fantastic. Having the opportunity to do that and see something like that and then get ready for teams like Minnesota, which aren't going to be quite as – you know, explosive and all that is going to be all right. The big thing is going to be the week after, I think, once we see that. I mean, the way Minnesota wins this game, if they were to win this game, would be that they control the ball, that they find a way to run and run consistently between the tackles and maybe get some passes along the edges. They're going to have to be fairly quick. I don't think they're going to have the time to throw deep. Uh, if they can do that and control the ball and find a way to bottle up Braylon Allen enough that uh, Mertz has to win the game, that's how they win. I don't think they can do those things because I don't think that their defense is better than Iowa's, and I don't think they're particularly better than Purdue's. Uh, so neither of those teams was able to stop this offense at this point or slow down Braylon Allen. So I really think that Wisconsin wins this. We can talk more about what happens in a Big Ten title game, especially once we know who comes out of the East. But um, I think at this point, yeah, Wisconsin's defense is going to be a big big game changer, and we'll start seeing what we're looking at in terms of bowl games. If they get into the Big Ten title game, I mean, that opens up things like you know Capital One Bowl and stuff like that or Outback um, because it'll, you're essentially the second-best team in the Big Ten, although really you're probably the third Um I think we could take Michigan State with what they do and the way they actually play. I think their style would work well against, you know, Wisconsin would do well against that style. But, yeah, maybe a third or maybe fourth, but that still leaves that. Hearing, you know, other things there. I haven't looked at any of the projections at this point, but not one of the New Year's Day games because that's going to be probably Michigan-Ohio State. Wisconsin falling in that next group of maybe being the third team on there. And uh you know, somewhere in that Capital One Outback Bowl type area, I think. Yeah, I can't remember if the Outback Bowl is still what it's called. It has been for so long. I, I guess I, I still assume that. But yeah, that's where we are with football. Um, we got games for the Bucks here too, though, and this is where we're going to get back. And you know, I mean, like we had bad Packers news, great Badgers news, and great Bucks news. Seriously, I think they just waited for me to ask, how long do we wait till we start to worry? And the answer is absolutely not yet because uh, the Bucks came out and they went four straight this week. And I mean, just a couple really, uh, when Giannis wasn't all, wor- I mean, when he wasn't just carrying this team, somebody else is around. Uh, see, when they played the Thunder and Giannis only, only ends up with 21 points on the game, uh, in which he's uh, six for 16 from field goal, including 0 for 4 from three. Is uh yeah th- even then we get you know sixteen from Middleton seventeen from Portis ten from Holiday uh, eleven from Allen twelve from Hill uh just 
Yeah, nine from Connington. So getting some good help up and down the bench. Still don't have uh, have uh, Brooke Lopez back, but uh, getting good time from Portis there at that center spot, and he's definitely scoring points for him too. Game against the Lakers, uh, Middleton and, and Portis and Antetokounmpo just carry that. Giannis gets 47 against them. He shoots 8 of 11 from free throw, 3 of 4 from 3. He is shooting particularly well this year. We'll say that he definitely worked on knowing how much his free throw was something people talked about. He definitely spent time in the offseason working on that. Because against the the Lakers, uh, 8 of 11 from free throws. Against the Thunder, 9 of 11 from free throw. The the first game against the Magic, because there's two of them this week, 15 of 23. Not not great, but he's you know all right. And then four of six against him the second night in a much closer game where he didn't have to score as much. Giannis ends the game with twelve points. I mean they get one hundred twenty three, but they they took out a bunch of people throughout. Twelve from Giannis, twelve from Middleton, thirteen from Portis, eighteen from Holiday, fourteen from Allen, fourteen from Nuara, seventeen from Connington. I mean you have. Uh, seven players seven players in double digits in that game and then you're still getting you know seven from hill five from uh kelly Tsakis. uh hood and robinson each give you five you even get one from thanasis how about that one of two of free throws oh of two from three thanasis a negative 15 when he's on the floor in this game but the bucks win that one by 31 points so yeah good four game stretch i mean two of them are magic all right, and the Magic are four and fourteen now. Uh, the Thunder aren't particularly good. Uh, I mean, the Lakers. Well, see, they're kind of a five hundred team. But we've said this earlier that there were several times this this season when we were talking earlier in the season where we really felt the Bucks were about to get healthy by playing a stretch of bad teams, and they didn't. Uh, and, I mean, what we've got now is you know we actually do have the big three playing. You know, Giannis, uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, all of them on the floor playing big minutes again that helps a lot um also help what would help is if we had lopez to try to help out with some of that rotational stuff at least if nothing else uh getting some time from noara has been good he's not consistently getting playing time but it's something and winning four in a row is a thing i mean that's good that's i mean that's a and just feeling much better about that and seriously Giannis's free throw shooting has to be a story right and uh, I don't hear a lot about that, but it's probably also because it's still football season. But he's doing a great job with it. Then there's no chance that it's be- it has nothing to do with the amount of attention it got in the playoffs last year. He's definitely doing better at it. Uh, he's like removed an entire dribble. He's getting the ball out faster. He's got a better rhythm to it. He looks smoother. He looks like he's more practiced, more confident in his shot right now. And it's showing from three-point range, too. Like, um well, not the other night. So he's like uh, 0-4 against the Magic in the second game. One of three, uh, I guess 0-4 that one, but then two of three the night before. It's a little bit better. You don't expect a ton from him. I'm sorry, three of four, the, the Laker game, like I said, before. But yeah, I mean, you don't expect a ton from him, but having that ability to have that shot be at least valuable also helps him on the drive because if that has to be guarded then it, it opens up a lot of other things. If people are just going to leave him alone at the top of the key, then that that screws up your offense. But looking much better. Uh, defense playing really well. I mean, giving up 102, then 89, then 108, and then 92. So you just you just have to feel better about the way that that's, uh, that's going at this point. And, and, and yeah, you just you feel more confident that this is the team that you, you were expecting to see uh, getting getting better as they go and back up to above 500 by a couple games. Um, we'll see. I mean, I still expect them to win the division. I still do. I, I'm not going to be horribly invested right now in terms of you know day to day stuff. But I'm going to pay attention to the trends. And the trend here is you know they've got a four game stretch games they should have won and they did. They win all of them. They win all four. Giannis plays. Up and down. He, you know, he had 47, but then he ends up with a game with 24 minutes and 12 points, mostly because game got out of hand quickly. Um, they're up uh, 36-16 uh, 
in, in the first quarter. You know, like, and then they they outscore them uh, forty-one to twenty in the second quarter. So they're up uh, seventy-seven to thirty-six at halftime. And yeah, Giannis doesn't get huge points, but he's got a plus thirty-eight in plus-minus. Uh, yeah, you don't score a lot of points in that game because you don't keep playing Giannis because there's no value in it. There's just no point to it at this point. Uh, so, yeah, nice nice stretch here. Uh, you'd like to see what, what they're going to be able to do coming up out of this, and hopefully they can they can get a couple wins out of what's coming up uh, ahead of them. They got the Pistons. That's a game they really ought to win. Uh, Denver's going to be a rough one. But then you have Indiana and Charlotte, and those are ones you really need to win. You need to beat Indiana for sure. So that's going to be the, the little three-game stretch coming up ahead to get you through the end of November. And uh, we'll see how that all works out. One of them on NBA TV, it looks like, because Denver-Milwaukee is going to be a good game. Bucks on the road a bit here uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, they're going to be home to Detroit, at Denver, at Indiana, home for Charlotte, at Toronto, Two games at home and then a four-game stretch of Miami, Houston, uh, the Knicks, and the Celtics. So a little bit of road trips coming up here, and we'll see. Uh, hopefully they can continue these winning ways and, and stay ahead. We're finally seeing some games where the leading scorers and stuff like that aren't all just Giannis. Um, Portis, uh, Leye is uh, a leading rebounder. Portis is a leading rebounder a couple times in here. Holiday is a leading scorer. Middleton and Holiday leading in assists. Starting to see that that dynamic of the team coming together again and being something other than just Giannis trying to pull people to towards victory. So feeling better about that. Feeling much better going ahead. And so that's kind of where the Bucks are at this point. Uh, beyond that, we do still have college basketball. So that's, you know, the Badgers and... Uh, and Golden Eagles working their way towards an eventual meeting here. I, I imagine they're still playing. It's still Wisconsin plays all the Wisconsin schools generally. Wisconsin gets the um, the rough loss the other day where they did not have Jonathan Davis. We talked about that last week. They come back this week. They beat Texas A and M sixty nine to fifty eight. It was a close game at half, and then Wisconsin walked away in, in the second half. Uh, they're up by. 35-34, and then outscoring by 10 in the second half. Uh, come out with a, a nice win there against a, a decent team that was 4-0 coming in. Now thanks to uh, 4-1, getting uh, 21 points from Jonathan Davis is, is fantastic. Having him back, knowing he only missed the one game is important. Uh, and getting him back out on the floor, 8 of 18, 1 of 3 from f- uh, 3 point, uh, also with 9 rebounds in this game. And... Uh, yeah, just really helping out having that kind of athleticism on the floor opens a lot of things up for other people. Uh, 19 points for Davison. So that's good. Wall and, you know, gets six. Hepburn, Chucky Hepburn gets seven. Uh, and then Kral gets 10 down there as well. Not a lot of help from the bench, though, which is a thing going forward I'd like to see more from. It's a young team, but you'd like to see guys like um, Vote getting more uh, time out there. Um Gilmore and Carlson being able to do something else, uh, and uh, Bowman too. Just um, having more to do with the offense, having more time on the floor. Uh, I'd really like to see more of that. So, yeah, having more depth is a, is a big thing, especially for a team like Wisconsin, which has to really, really get that defense going. You want to be able to rotate guys in and out a lot more, and you know, save the legs down the stretch. But for the time being, that's a nice win. Um, but not, I mean, like we talked about last week, Marquette had the best win. They came out and they beat Illinois two weeks ago. Uh, they come back, uh, get uh, like two more wins after that. I mean, they then go out and beat uh, Miss Ole Miss uh, 78-72. They beat West Virginia 82-71. I mean, those are, those are good wins. Marquette looking very good, solid defense, uh, getting good play from from the transfer that they, they had, uh, Marcel. Uh, he's been just really nice to watch in that system. They're getting a lot of good play from some of these young guys. Um, Prosper, uh, which is Olivier Maxence Prosper. <laughs> he's uh, getting them good minutes. He's, he's playing very well. And, uh, yeah, no, it's been... 
been been a, a a good team to watch and you should be watching this Marquette team. They they did get to 5 and 0 before they got their first loss. Um in conference loss to uh St. Bonaventure, the number 22 St. Bonaventure. I believe they're the Bonnies. <laughs> but yeah, that's a rough one. That they got beat up pretty badly in this one. Um biggest thing it looks like is uh just Morcel could not get going in this game. Uh he uh, I double check this, but I believe he didn't make a shot from the field. He did not. 0 of 8 from the field. Uh, Kotek, uh, 0 of 5 from the field. Uh, so, I mean, that's, you know, he's, he's been all right, but, you know, the freshman, uh, Tyler Kotek, did not get anything done just from the field there and didn't get to the free throw line. So that's a starter who gets you a zero. Um, Marcel gets three points, but it's three of four from the free throw line. Uh, David Joplin was able to come in off the bench. He's another freshman. He got him 10 points off the bench. Good bench play from Marquette too. They're playing very deep. They're playing, uh, looks like six deep on this bench against Bonaventure. And I mean, they lost 70 to 54. That's, I mean, that's a rough loss against number 22 after beating number 10, a couple, like a week earlier. Uh, but, uh, just, Poor shooting, basically. They shot 30.4% as a team, uh, 58 from the free throw line. So it, it's hard to win games when you're getting outshot by 17%. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Bonaventure, mostly just their starters. I mean, they only get four points off their bench, but they have three starters in double digits. Uh, so that's, yeah, hard to overcome that. And, and every now and then you're just going to game like that, especially in conference like this. You get that St. Bonaventure, uh, who is 5-0, and uh, and now a 5-1 and Marquette team uh, with two wins against fairly good competition in West Virginia and great competition in Illinois, who is a very good team. And getting that win, is it means something. So, yeah, looking good for, for Wisconsin basketball programs who are both very young, very young programs. Um, going to be very much worth keeping an eye on this Marquette team and seeing what they do in Big East play as they keep going through this season. Uh, they've got a lot of talent in these young guys here. So that is where we're going to end it for our main event section. I'm going to wrap everything else up here in a segment that we lovingly call our last call. Time to look around and get your bearings. It's time for the last call. Okay, first up on last call, I do want to just at least throw this out there. We haven't talked about them at all yet, but the women's uh, soccer team at the University of Wisconsin uh, got to the Sweet 16 again. Uh, I think it's the second year they, in a row they've been to Sweet 16. Uh, they then lose to Santa Clara in the, the round of 16. Uh, but, you know, very good season for them getting there, being one of the top 16 teams left, uh, remaining teams in that field. So good job to the Wisconsin women's soccer team for having a, a wonderful year and a great year on that in that regard. Um, in terms of, of women's volleyball, which we love to talk about here, uh, just women's, they just went out there and they played against uh, Minnesota this week and they get a, a three to two win in a very rough fought competition back and forth. Uh Minnesota takes the first set 26-24. If you don't know, it's to 25, win by two. They win the second set 25-19. Minnesota takes the third set uh, 27-25. Wisconsin has to win to stay alive. They win 28-26. So, I mean, like, the the Badgers scored 24-25-25-28 and only won two of those. Um, Just incredible match incredible match uh two great teams playing very very well fifth set which is only played to 15 win by two wisconsin wins 15 to 12 uh the last rally was so great uh the the team shared it on twitter too Uh, i believe i shared it as well but it's just it it back and forth back and forth blocks and and digs and everything It was a fantastic game fantastic game wisconsin now uh sits at 15-3 15-3 and three in the Big Ten. Uh, Minnesota goes to 12-5. and five. Wisconsin, 23-3. and three. three losses, which are Maryland and two to Purdue. Uh, so next, though, I want to look at some of these stats here. Wisconsin actually leads and blocks in this game, which is the thing we've always talked about. The hardest one for them to lead in, they seem to be that. Uh, they, they won in points. They had 14 more kills. Um, aces were 3-4 to four in favor of Minnesota. But 14 to 11 in blocks. So 
feeling good that that was working very well for the team. Uh, just, yeah, uh, just just good game all around. It was a fantastic game to watch. Uh, if you if you want to see more fantastic volleyball next week or this coming week here uh, on November 26th, the day after Thanksgiving, 4.30 at the Fieldhouse, number 11 Nebraska comes to town to play the number five Badgers. Uh, after beating number nine Minnesota, getting number 11 uh, Nebraska is going to be great. They're going to have this at home. Um, number nine Minnesota on the road, by the way, that we just played. This one's kind of for all the marbles. Uh, these two teams are tied at the top of the conference. Only, I mean, one of them will be the division cha- or the conference champion because they're playing each other this week, and they're like they're each a game ahead, essentially a game clear of everybody else. So whoever wins this basically just almost certainly gets the the conference championship. So um, the Badgers' last game would be Indiana at the Fieldhouse. So they have two games at home yet. Number 11, Nebraska, who they beat earlier in the year. If they can beat them here, they're just about guaranteed to be a Big Ten champions, which would be a huge thing that could get them to that that one seed. They're just outside right now, but if they can beat you know Minnesota and then Nebraska to get to the end of the year, um, that, that that could really set them up for a chance to get a one seed and a you know a little easier bracket to try to get down to the the Final Four again. They've been there the last two years. So it'd be really good to see if they can get that again this year. And a Big Ten championship means quite a lot. So uh, fantastic work by the the women's volleyball team uh, in this setup here. Uh, In terms of NCAA football, like we said last week, two Wisconsin teams got into the D3 uh, bracket, and we get uh, both of them moving on to the round of 16. Uh, Whitewater beats Greenville. They beat them 69-7. to uh, at Whitewater, so big big time win for them. Uh, Lacrosse playing on the road against nine and one Albion, who is a conference champion. They beat them fifty eight to twenty three. Uh, Wisconsin White uh, Lacrosse will now take on North Central out of Illinois, and Whitewater will be playing DePau, not DePaul, DePau. It's spelled the same except for you take an L and turn it into a W. Uh, DePau beat um, actually Rose. Holman, uh, they beat him 26-21. I expect this to be another one where Whitewater should win. Uh, UW Lacrosse is the rough one. Lacrosse though has stuck with a lot of good teams. They played dead even with Whitewater. Their only other loss is to the number five ranked team in D two. Um, playing North Central though, the defending champions and undefeated North Central out of Illinois is going to be a rough one. If they can get that done, that would be pretty fantastic for this team uh, if they get that chance to move on. The other side of the lacrosse bracket would be uh, State University of New York, Cortland, and Rensselaer. Uh, Opposite of the Whitewater bracket is Central in Iowa and Wheaton out of Illinois, who both had rather spectacular wins over the last weekend. So that's where we are there in terms of getting off to hockey, because we do love getting to hockey uh, around here. The men's team in in uh, men's college hockey did not have themselves a day. Uh, they had a rough weekend playing Michigan State, which is a team they really should have beaten. I mean, this is a set of teams that they should have walked all over, and they did not. They lose the first one three to two, uh, and then they lose the second one five to two. Uh, just did not get uh, the sort of push that they, that they were hoping to get. They're still trying to push the puck. They're still trying to push uh, shots on goal. They're still trying to do those things. They're not getting the sort of odd man rushes or kind of lucky bounces that they were able to get last year when they had, quite honestly, a more talented team. You know, several of those guys are playing in the NHL this year, and so it's it's a rough thing to lose that much talent all at once. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a rough schedule. Um, should be a little easier. They're going to be playing... Um, Clarkson coming up this next week and they'll get to play at home. I mean, they just played in South Bend and then at East Lansing the last two weeks. I mean, if we need to start seeing something, they, they got to beat Clarkson. And I would say they, they pretty much at this point have to sweep them uh, to, to start feeling like they're themselves or something resembling a good Badgers team, which it's, it's not great. They've got three main guys who are scoring big goals. Uh, uh, Tarek Baker, uh, Gorniak, and then also 
Caulfield, but it's Brock Caulfield and not Cole Caulfield. Those those three guys in the forwards are taking care of most of the scoring on this team. We need to see some of these young guys finding ways to get on the ice and do something when they're they're out there. We're just not getting enough out of those guys just yet. So it, it's a building year, unfortunately, and you hate to see that for your seniors because uh, Bar- Baker and and Gorniak and Caulfield have put in a lot of time and have had uh, very nice careers, but there's just not enough outside their their top, top lines, basically, to be able to do enough damage to other teams. So it's going to be a rough kind of patch here, I think, for them. Uh, in terms of women's hockey, this is the thing that will get you picked up. They continue to win. They still have not lost. They got the one tie, uh, but they win again against what is odd to say, uh, conference rival, University of St. Thomas out of St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, the Tommies. Uh, this is actually a matchup of two schools that I've attended. Uh, Wisconsin beat St. Thomas 5-1 and 7-1, uh, 7-1 being the Saturday game, uh, 5-1 on Sunday, beating St. Thomas in St. Thomas or at St. Thomas because I guess they're in St. Paul, which is strange. Uh, this is one where like Badger women have several very young uh, women who are leading this team. Uh, McKenna Webster, uh, in the 16 games they've played, she has 14 goals. Casey O'Brien, in 16 games, 16 goals. Okay. Uh, Webster with 19 assists, O'Brien with 15. Daryl Watts, right below that, she's got 11 goals, 16 assists. Getting the, uh, I'll say this, uh, Webster and O'Brien are both sophomores. Sophomores, and they're, they're just out there killing it and leading this team in terms of, of scoring and points. So just that that's always good to see. You know that the future's in good hands. Um, they got a graduate, uh, Kennedy Blair, still playing goalie. She has uh, her goals against here. Well, they don't have the goals against lined up here, but she's um, got a, a goal. I'm sorry, her goals against is under one. I guess I was confused because it's usually at least a one. Her goals against is a .9161. I thought that was a save percentage, but it's a goals against. That's, that's how good that is. That's a crazy goals against. Um, giving up less than a goal a game while you have people scoring two people on your team who are almost scoring a goal a game. I don't know how you lose with that setup. So that's fantastic. Uh, 13 games, only 12 goals given up for Kennedy Blair. Fantastic team. They're playing great. Uh, In terms of the D three action for the state of Wisconsin, uh, let's see this week, Northland lost to stout in a matchup of unranked teams. Eau Claire falls out of the ranked group, but they still they beat Superior on on uh, Friday. Uh, while Stevens Point, the number ten ranked at the time, Stevens Point uh, took a five to nothing win over River Falls, who was fourteen on Saturday. Then um, Stout beat Eau Claire four to two. River Falls beats Northland two nothing, and then Superior shuts out then tenth ranked Stevens Point three uh, nothing. Uh, at the end of that, then I think uh, we the you know, point fell a little bit in their rankings. Uh, Eau Claire remains outside the rankings. Point is now 13th, uh, and I don't. And uh, River Falls falls out as well. They're in the others receiving votes down essentially 16th with Saint Norbert at 17th, and right behind that UW Superior with nine votes into the. Uh, the bracket here. So, uh, 16, 17, 18, uh, river Falls, St. Norbert and superior. So that's kind of where they are. We'll see if superior can continue to climb, getting a couple of nice wins this last week. Uh, in terms of women's hockey, we had some fun ones here. Uh, superior beats Northland three to one. The one that's fun to watch here is Eau Claire beats river falls. That is the number three ranked team and the number four ranked team in the country playing each other in Eau Claire. Eau Claire gets a two, nothing win. Stevens Point beats Superior uh, 2-0. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's where they are heading into this. That's a fantastic setup for the women, uh, having two of the top teams in the entire country still here, and they're still 3-4 and four right now. Uh, Plattsburgh out in New York has got 15 out of 15 first-place votes. Uh, they are 6-0. and oh. Eau Claire is now 7-0. and oh. River Falls 7-1, but they're only lost to Eau Claire. So that's kind of where we're, we're sitting with all of that. And that should get us through all the other fun little stories that we've had this week in terms of the, the minor sports, minor teams, and things like that. So join us again next week. Uh, we should have Aaron back with us to talk through 
uh, everything else that's going to be going on, talk about the Rams game, which, again, I'll be at, and uh, see what the Badgers Gophers do with the Battle for the Axe. Uh, remember to follow the show at Scotty Johnny Pod. You can follow me at Not So Humble for Host, and you can follow Aaron at Cheddar Talk. And remember, whether you are on the town or on the go, it is always on Wisconsin. This has been the Scotty Johnny Podcast. Remember to find the boys on Twitter at Scotty Johnny One or online at ScottyJohnny.com. Thanks for listening, and on Wisconsin.